Welcome into another Ferrario face-off here at Claves Online. I'm Alex Ferrario along with my good buddy Mike Claiborne and plenty to talk about because Claves, I would imagine a lot of Blues fans right now are smacking that panic button as hard as they can as the <laughs> Blues are in the midst of a five-game losing streak um, after the most recent loss to the LA Kings, which was not a good-looking loss for the Blues as they found themselves down by three goals in the first period. Claves, before we dive deep into it, just give me your give me your overview of this team at the midway point because they played game number 29 uh, on Wednesday night. Lacking. One word. Lacking. Lacking intensity. Lacking focus. Lacking uh, t t unity. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that this team isn't doing that, that winning teams do. Uh, they assume that they can just show up and throw their sticks and gloves on the ice and beat somebody. And maybe it's the schedule and, and how it works, but, you know, everybody's dealing with the same thing. But I, I just think that there's a lack of intensity and focus right now. Uh, you're down 3 nothing before you can say what happened. And nothing really changed after that. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before. The, the intensity isn't there. You know, you bring in Kyle Clifford to make sure people don't run some of your good players. But that doesn't mean Kyle Clifford has to go out and fight every night. That means that you've got a little bit more toughness, and that means that other guys can step up. When you get a guy running Tory Krug, now granted, Krug probably took exception because the guy went right, tried to split him in half, and nothing, nothing happened after that. I mean, the Blues didn't even have eight body checks after uh -huh. that. And that, that's my issue. I'm not advocating that, all right, let's go out here and fight every other shift. What's wrong with landing on somebody? And it, there just isn't the chemistry that this hockey team needs. And I know we're using the excuse, we'll wait until we get the other guys back. Well, you know what? We can't wait for the other guys. You have to worry about the now, not the future. And it's, it's really disappointing. And it starts from, from center ice all the way back to the goalie. Uh, and I'm talking about the, the forwards all the way back to the goalie. No one is playing with any real intensity that would warrant them being respected. And I think the word is going to get around the league. Hey, you know what? The Blues aren't anything close to what they used to be. So who cares what they do? Um, you know, when they get behind, there's no come from behind effort. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Chief pulls a goalie, you know, trying to get one, get some magic going. And, of course, they get scored upon. But there's no intensity. Uh, there's no desire. There's nobody angry in what's going on. And I think that that's a problem. And it, it's the label. It's the face of what's called a 500 hockey team. You know, if I had to use one word, Glaves, to follow up kind of what yours was, mine would be insecurity. And, and yeah. I, I've seen this a lot from this team. You know, Doug Armstrong made the moves in the offseason to be a more mobile team from the back end. Tory Krug's brought in. Justin Falk gets more of a advanced role with no Petrangelo and no Bowmeister. So this team should be excellent at exiting their zone and moving the puck up the ice, playing Craig Bruby's system, right? North-South hockey. It, for whatever reason it may be, and Curb said this on the broadcast last night, the Blues look lost when they have the puck in their own zone. And part of me feels like it's insecurity and lack of confidence in their game because when they have the puck on their stick, I'll give you give you a great example. Last night, Tory Krug has the puck on his stick behind the Blues net on that power play, has the opportunity to just skate it up out of the zone and clear it, but instead he tries to make the extra pass to 
Justin Falk behind him, which results in a turnover and the power play goal. I don't know what happened between last year and this year, but to me, there seems to be a lack of confidence on this team when they have the puck in their own zone. You, you know, that's a great point you make, and, and it's not that hard. I mean, you know, the Blues used to be a one-pass, maybe two-pass defense core in their own end, and they were going forward. They weren't going D to D. They were going D to forward. Uh, now that's not the case. Uh, they're very apprehensive. You know, and I used to tell – we talked about Justin Falk being the master of the five-foot pass. Well, they yeah. don't even do that anymore. Uh, you know, they're, they're not skating with their heads up. They're not looking at guys in the neutral zone who are looking to break out. And it's it's evident. And teams now have decided, you know what, we're going to forecheck or we're going to really clog up the neutral zone. So we're going to make them skate it out or we're going to make them turn it over instead of having guys moving. And I'm going to pin this on the forwards more than I'm going to pin it on the D. Uh-huh. The, the forwards stand around too much. There's no flow. When you don't have the puck, you should still be skating. And they're not. They're standing still or they don't have enough momentum to really break out of their own end. And it shows. So the defenseman has to wait and he's looking around and nobody's moving. They're not hitting anybody on the fly. And therefore, the other team has a chance to step up, take two more steps in toward them to limit their passing zone. Hence, they make a bad turnover or they don't use the boards or they throw it in the middle of the ice. And, you know, when you throw it in the middle of the ice, you know, bad things happen. So it's a combination of what you're saying in confidence because the D doesn't have confidence in the forwards making themselves readily available to accept the pass and go forward instead of lateral. You know, I hate to say it, Klaibs, but if if people in this team are sitting there saying, well, when we get Jaden Schwartz and Colton Pareko and Robert Screw Thomas. all of that. that that's not yeah. even, you know what, we, we, we're past that. Because mm-hmm. at, at last check, none of them were playing well when they were in the lineup. Right. So, and I'm not saying that they, I'm blaming them, but my point being of those three guys, they're all important players, but there has been plenty of time for everybody to adjust to what they had. So you're telling me that these guys are so valuable. They, they were light years ahead of what you're putting out there now. And that's not the truth. And, and if that is, then that tells me that the players that you have aren't good enough to be on a quality hockey team. So which well, one is it? And that's where I'm at. You can't tell me that you get those two back in the lineup and that is going to fix all of these issues for this Blues team because that was the excuse when Vladimir Tarasenko was out and he returned. That was the midst of a losing streak. That was the excuse for Tyler Bozak while he was out. Losing continued on against the the LA Kings. Pareko and Schwartz maybe will make things a little bit tighter, but they're not going to fix the the full squad issue that's not playing the five-man unit that Craig Berube talks about. I mean, Claves, he said it after the game. Uh, I think it was Friday's loss against the Vegas Golden Knights. Pick a night. Pick a night. He says yeah. it all the time because it's the same problem. And the one that stuck out to me was him saying, we have guys that aren't pulling on the same rope. And the first thing that I thought of, Claves, was the Doug Armstrong comment from when Mike Yo was fired and Craig Berube took over independent contractors. Now, I don't know if the Blues are on that point because I do know, I've talked with Darren Fang, these guys are very close in the locker room, but it's not showing on the ice right now. You know, I hear that and you say, well, this guy's good in the room. They really care about each other. I don't really give a, I don't care what they do in the locker room. 
because you know what? They're not paid to get along. They're paid to play. And, you know, I've seen teams where guys didn't get along, but they found a way for 60 minutes to work it out. Uh, I, I really I, I'm tired of the love fest that guys have as far as, well, they really care about each other and they get along and they're great in the room. I, I don't care. The results don't show that that makes a difference in the success of this team. It doesn't show it. And what's going to happen is they're going to get somebody traded. They're going to get somebody moved out of here, if nothing else, to bring some new energy into the room because they've left it up to the players to figure it out, okay? And this is where I give Craig Berube a lot of credit. You know, he could bang his stick and he can do this and he can do that, and he probably does. But being a former player, he understands the only way this is going to get worked out, the players have to do it. These players have elected not to, or they've left it up for somebody else to do, and they're not doing it together, which goes back to the whole not pulling the rope. And so that's where we're at. And how do you fix it? I don't know. So let me ask you this question. Of of the elements of this hockey team, aside from being good in the room, what do you like about it? What do you feel with as all things have gone south over the last five games? Is there anything constant that you see that's a positive thing that they can build upon? I don't think so. I I think if I had to pick one, but this is kind of a reach for me because they've been so inconsistent. It's the depth of this team. I mean, Dakota Joshua has played very well for this Blues team. Mackenzie McEachern has played well for this team. You're starting to see guys in spurts start things up. Braden Shen has stayed consistent, O'Reilly, Perron. But that's still a reach for me because of what we just witnessed. Yeah, You got a goal against the LA Kings. You had a goal against the Vegas Golden Knights. I think in the last five-game losing streak, you've maybe had one game where you've scored more than three goals. So as much as I can talk about the depth of this team, it's depth of this team that are third line players, not top line players that can jump up into play. Well, you know, it's interesting. You brought up those guys, the third line and fourth line players. Um, that's not really the problem. You know, yep. it's the, the top six line, uh, the two top, top lines that aren't, aren't showing any consistency. They should be getting a bulk of the ice, but they're not. Uh, they are, and they're not doing anything with it. Throw in the fact that when you look at uh, the fact that very few guys play the body in the, on the first two lines, uh, it's glaring. You know, I don't know whether the game is caught up with Jordan Cairo or not, where he's not the same guy we saw a month ago. Um, and his and I wonder about his confidence at this point. I, I just think that they've got some real issues that they've got to get figured out, and they got to get them figured out quick. Because the last thing you want to do is get the wrong draw if you get into the playoffs, because there's some teams right now that are outplaying you. It's incredible to me that we are talking about a lack of confidence with a group of guys that found the confidence with this same coaching staff. And I'll hone in on a couple of different guys, one of them being Steve Ott. He is a phenomenal communicator. You know this better than I do. He has the ability to talk to some of these younger guys and get them on board with the style that Craig Berube wants to play. But for some reason, it's just not clicking right now with this group of players. Yeah. And, and again, you know, you, you don't have many options at this point unless you want to move a guy. And I'm not opposed to that. I I don't think there's a guy on this team that's an untouchable uh, at the rate they're playing. Now the issue comes into play. You got some guys from a cap standpoint, 
yeah. uh, may not be attractive, but you, you got to do something to shake this thing up. I, I just don't think you can continue to play and, and come up with the same excuses each night and feel like everybody's buying into this. So um, the trade deadline is just around the corner. Uh, you, you just never know. Uh, but, you know, and when you look at the, the third and fourth line guys, they're doing what they can. And for the most part, they are who they are. With the exception of we did find out one thing when Barbashev was healthy, he was a spark on the top line. Yeah. So maybe, you you know, you, you start juggling lines and some of those guys start getting some prime ice and seeing what they can do with it. I think you have to try it. Claves, one more, one other aspect on this Blues team I wanted to touch on with you before I get into some of the NHL teams. Um, defensively. Now, I, I'm with you. I don't blame the defensive core at all, just themselves. I blame the entire roster because I think it's the forwards. But one thing has been very uh, noticeable these last few games, this team's getting beaten in front of their own net. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll go back to the, the game against the LA Kings. Both goals, the first and the third one, came from the Blues being unable to get the puck away from the L.A. Kings. I mean, that first power play goal against the Kingsclaves, the Blues had a shot go from the L.A. Kings into Bennington's pads, makes the save. They're unable to clear the puck with three guys in front of the crease. L.A. pulls it back, gives it to Doughty, and he takes the shot. That was going to happen when you lose Jay Bomeister and Alex Petrangelo in terms of size. But I am really surprised that guys like Tory Krug and Vince Dunn and Justin Falk are getting beaten in front of their net as much as they are. Yeah, that's a good point you make. Uh, uh, none of those guys are what I would deem physical players. Uh, but you don't have to be physical just to get in the way and put yourself in between the puck and the and the and the guy who's trying to score. Yeah, uh, and they're not doing that, and they're getting pushed around too much. Um, and, and I'm a little surprised because a guy like Scandella. Uh, some of the other bigger players have to assert themselves a little bit more. And, and Krug wouldn't be in this league if he didn't know how to do it himself. And I know he's a little smaller than some of the other guys, but, you know, he understands positioning. And yep. it, this doesn't mean you got to cross-check a guy in the throat or anything, but you do have to make sure you put yourself in that position. And they're willing to give up their real estate. And that that's a concern. But it goes back to my original point about the lack of physical presence the Blues have displayed not fighting, playing the body, and not making sure you hit a guy in the fifth row, knock him into the fifth row, but just make him stop, make him start, get in the way, deny him a passing lane. Little things is what I'm talking about, and they're not doing it. Do you think it's necessary for this team, Claves, to make a move kind of like the Cardinals did in the past where they they needed to change that locker room atmosphere, so they traded away a Joe Kelly and an Alan Craig and brought in a John Lackey, a guy who's that grizzled vet. Do you think yeah. the Blues need to do that move? Yeah, I think a rusty nail would be good right now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the first thing he would come in and say, boy, I thought you guys would – I thought you guys just won the Cup a couple of years ago. Right. I thought this was a Stanley Cup championship team. And just challenge him. I mean, I think it's better to have a player challenge another player than a coach. You know, you mentioned Steve Ott, who is a very good communicator and who's going to have a job here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, he can only say so much. And if you're Ryan O'Reilly, you're the captain. I don't know how much you say. I think it's got to be somebody who doesn't have a letter on their sweater to say, hey, yeah. you know, I, I thought we were Stanley Cup champions two years ago. We're, yeah. we're not playing like it. We're playing like a team that we be watching somebody else in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. 
Yeah, perfect player to do that would be a Tyler Bozak, who may not wear a letter, but he's a guy who's been around the league for a really long time and knows that it's like, guys, we're, we are much better than this. You mentioned Ryan O'Reilly, Claves. Do you think he's doing too much yes. out there on the, and putting too much pressure on himself? Yes. Um, I think Ryan O'Reilly is still the best player on the team. I agree. Um, but, you know, I think when you get that letter, you feel like you've got to do more. Um, I, I've always felt like in this day and age, wearing a letter is more, you're just talking to the media more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're organizing things in the dressing room, uh, but you still have to live up to your own personal expectations as far as play is concerned. And I, I do think he's overdoing it or he's trying. I don't know if I want to say he's trying too hard, but he's making an effort that puts him off of his game, I think, just a hair. But yeah. He's, but it, having said that, he's still the best player on the team. Yeah, exactly. That's the part that gets me. I feel like from the personal side of it, he's doing too much. He's trying to be the savior rather than just being Ryan O'Reilly. But with that being said, he is the only player that is really out there. He, along with Braden Shen, in my opinion, are the ones that are out there playing Craig Berube's, uh, Craig Berube's style. So, Claves, uh, we are talking so much about the St. Louis Blues, obviously, because things aren't great right now. But imagine being a Buffalo Sabres fan. Woo! I mean, you talk about everything just being thrown into the trash can and lighting it on fire. That's what Kevin Adams has done with this Buffalo Sabres team. So, well, they... let's let's talk about him for a minute. Yeah, I please. don't know how much you know about his background. He was kind of a favorite son to the ownership family, where he was running their practice ring. He yeah. was running their minor league operation, the practice ring. He has no clue what he was doing as far as the general manager is concerned, and. While everybody thought, well, this is a team, they got Ico, they go out and get Taylor Hall, uh, they got a couple of other good players. Okay, a couple of injuries roll around. Taylor Hall hasn't lived up to what they hoped for. They've had a couple of other guys who haven't lived up to the expectation. And then everybody else just went totally south. Uh, Kruger was a guy that nobody was listening to anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and Adams probably isn't the guy. Um, I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday about that organization. And basically Pugler's wife is running the team. Oh, okay. She, she's kind of one of the people who's taken over and I don't know how much she knows about hockey. I mean, on the surface, it would tell you not enough, but that is, that is maybe the most dysfunctional organization as we're talking hockey (laughs) in in the national hockey league right now, where uh, you're going to ask, you're going to see a lot of guys ask out, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they have a fire sale. You know, Taylor Hawkins still, he's a pretty good player Yeah, that teams would be interested in if they have the cap room. You know, a lot of teams are so close to the cap as we speak that they're looking to dump salary compared to take on salary. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a team move a player with money and then maybe make a run at a Taylor Hall in a trade. Uh, but it's going to be, you're going to see a lot of teams trying to trade contracts compared to trying to trade players. But Buffalo is a is a disappointment to say the least. I thought at the beginning of the year they were a team that might contend for a playoff spot because of the young players that they had on the team. That's not been the case. You know, it's incredible when you look at, because they're polar opposites, Claves, you look at Kevin Adams, who's a former NHL player, and, of course, he makes the general manager position for the Buffalo Sabres and doesn't have success, at least for the beginning portion. But then you look at Bill Guerin, who's been around the NHL. He's a 
in my opinion, a possible hockey hall of famer. He's been an assistant general manager with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He takes over in Minnesota in a means house. Yes. Gets rid of players. He got rid of Miko Koivu, who's the longtime Minnesota wild. He's moving goaltenders. He's building the roster that he wants to build the identity and everyone bought into it. And look at what they're doing right now. Yeah. They were a team that nobody thought was going to do much. And, and, you know, Bill Guerin, uh, I give him credit. He changed the culture. There is no excuse for the Minnesota organization not being competitive with yep. the, the great hockey traditions that they have in that great state. And and Bill Guerin just came in and said, you know what? This guy's been around long enough. He's a little too comfortable. This guy here should be better. It's time for the move. And maybe he'll be better somewhere else. And And you know what? I think you can get away with that in the first and the last years of your tenure. Mm-hmm. Or if you win, you get a little bit more stock to, to hold on to. And, and Doug Armstrong would be a guy that if he moves somebody tomorrow, everybody would say, well, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Right. Uh, so I tip my cap to Bill Guerin and what he's doing. Uh, and he's put the heat on some other teams who thought they were going to be playoff contenders. Uh, you better move over because I think Minnesota is going to be a team that won't go away. And, and I like what they're doing. I agree 100%. Back to Buffalo real quick, Claves. This stat blew my mind, and this just goes to show you how bad it is there. The bottom seven players in the National Hockey League that are minus players, so plus minus the worst seven players in terms of that statistic, are all Buffalo Sabres players. Who has the worst uh, minus in the league at this point? Do you know off the top of your head? If I'm not mistaken, it is Taylor Hall, who's like a minus 27. Ouch. Yes. Ouch. Right. That that hurts. And and especially with Taylor Hall claims, this is a guy who, like, I think it's 45% of his career, he has been with a team that has earned the first overall draft pick. Yeah, when you think about Edmonton. And then New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Uh, You know, he's a good player. He's good enough to get a coach fired. Because of his skill set, and you you wonder what how can you get to him? Right, it's never helped him to be on teams that didn't have enough good players. Uh, and, but I thought with Buffalo, with Eichel, and a couple of other good young players that they had, uh, they might be competitive. But that hasn't been the case, and 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 I think they may have to start over again. I, you know, Alex, this is a team that might find themselves well. They're going to be in a lottery, uh-huh. and if they play their cards right, they're going to have the first pick overall again. Then you turn into the Edmonton Oilers where you just keep selecting first overall draft picks but never have success with them. Yeah, and, you know, again, um, the term culture change might be in order once again. We just talked about Bill Guerin and what he did in Minnesota. I I think if you're the Buffalo Sabre organization, you probably just blow up the whole thing, put in a new president, put in a new GM. Maybe you find another director of scouting. Uh, and just give it a different look, uh-huh. because I think one of the other issues that comes into play here is that you're going to lose fan confidence here pretty soon. Remember, the Buffalo Bills are now the hot commodity in that right. neck of the woods, and they may just cross the street and stay there. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, the same owners, uh, the owner of, of both teams is the same person. So at some point, they've got to get that figured out. On Are they lucky? that they have good football people in charge and they let them do their job or they unlucky because they want to be more hands-on and hire people that they like compared to whether they know if they can do the job or not. 
couple more minutes with my good buddy Mike Claiborne here on the Ferrario Faceoff. Claib's another guy that we got to talk about is the return of uh, everyone's good buddy Daryl Sutter, who takes over in Calgary as uh, they brought in the grizzled vet to try and turn things around. And he, he's had success. I, I mean, four games. I think he took his first loss on Wednesday night, but overall three and one as the head coach. Are we going to see another L.A. Kings moment with Daryl Sutter and this Calgary Flames? Possibly. Possibly. You know, when you look at that team, you know, you've got some good players on it. You know, you've got decent goaltending. Giordano, who's a little long in the tooth, but still a solid defenseman. Uh, you got uh, Johnny Hockey up front, and they've got some other good young forwards. I could see that. Yeah. I, you know, they got Lucic there who's going to make sure that the guys don't get roughed up too much. He, he's he got some elements, and, and I think the biggest key for them is Lucic is on that team, and he can tell those guys what to expect from Sutter. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that's a very important element to have because I'm sure all these guys have heard horror stories about what kind of coach he is and this and that. Yeah, but he's got, what, a couple, three rings to go along with it? Now, his style may not be everybody's comfort level, but I got news for you. It works. And for a young team with a couple of veterans sprinkled around, they might be a team that might surprise everybody before this is over with. You know what's interesting, Clay, is because for so long we were kind of going through this 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 little <clears throat> spell in the NHL where, you know, coaches that were, I don't want to say verbally abusive, but were very aggressive on the bench were getting pointed out by a lot of NHL players. But Daryl Sutter's always had success with that style of play with his teams. Yeah, but his style is not of the abrasive nature where he's MFing a guy or he's doing something that's that's derogatory. He just challenges guys to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I look at him as a guy who 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 is a, a guy who communicates with fewer words. Yeah. There are some guys that I'm sure he pats on the back and just says, nice job. And there are other guys that he just says, you got to be better. And, right. you know, he leaves it up to the player to figure out how he can be better. Uh, you know, Daryl Sutter could be a, considered a dinosaur to some, but everywhere Daryl Sutter has gone, you know, he's made them better for a short period of time. Now, the, the, the challenge is when does the speech and when do, do the motivational tactics get old? Yeah. You know, so his shelf life may not be as long, but, you know, he's perfect for a team that he first takes over. And it, depending on how much leeway they give him on personnel, yeah, Calgary could Calgary could be a fun team to watch, and Calgary is certainly getting the postseason. One more that's fun to watch, it's Alex Ovechkin, Klaibs. I, I don't know if you saw this. I'm sure you did, but he takes over Phil Esposito, sixth all-time in terms of goals in the NHL. He's 178 behind Wayne Gretzky. Does he break that record at some point in his career? No. You don't, don't think, think so? 178. 178 is a lot. You'd have to be a 50-goal scorer for at least three years to be close. Yeah. And I just and don't he's see 35. That. Yeah, I, I just don't see. Now, granted, you know, he's in good shape. Uh, you know, he's a physical player. But I, I, I look at teams that would probably really bear down. Uh, so I don't see him doing it. I think he'll get close, but I don't think he'll do it. Yeah, I, I – I hope he does, but I'm with you. 35 no, years I don't old. No, I don't want to see him break it. You don't I, want I, to. No. Um, I, I think Wayne Gretzky has has a mark on this game. Now, I, I'm all sound like Kennesaw Mountain Land is not wanting <laughs> the, uh, uh, Roger Maris to break Babe Ruth's record. 
I, I, you know, I, I admire him as a great hockey player, but I, I think Wayne Gretzky's record is one that uh, should re- remain sacred. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think that in this case, uh, Ovechkin's got a lot of have a lot of things work for him. And, and here's the other thing that's got to work for him: he's got to have good players around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's in a good situation now, but because of salary cap issues and other things that come along. Maybe the guys he plays with now won't be around. Maybe their skill level drops off. Uh, what happens if Tom Wilson isn't around? You know, there's a lot of things that go into this that I think will make this a very huge challenge for him where he's got to score an average of over 50 goals a year just to be close. And, you know, he's been injury-free for the most part, and, yeah. and that's a good thing for him too. So I, I just think there's a really – it's still a steep mountain to climb. Yeah, well, it's an interesting point just to kind of keep a close eye on as we inch closer uh, to that. Claves, this is fun, buddy. I appreciate you trying to calm the uh, calm the paranoia right now <laughs> of the St. Louis Blues that so many people have. But uh, the Blues, they got two games against the San Jose Sharks. They'll play one against Vegas next week and then one against the Minnesota Wild as they wrap up this road trip. And then they kick off the month of April, which is going to be a uh, a, a chainsaw of competition with the teams that are Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota. Well, and those are the teams they're going to, excuse me, teams they're going to have to beat anyway. And, you know, when we look at um, San Jose, we used to think they were a pushover. There's no such thing as two points in the bag now. So they have to start off by beating those teams. And maybe this time next week we're like, hey, hey, you know, here come the Blues. And then we'll go back and we'll look at the records of the teams they're beating. But here's the deal. If they start losing to those teams, then we got bigger issues to talk about. Yep, 100%. And then you got Vegas and Minnesota to worry about. Claves, this has been fun, buddy. Thank you so much, and we will talk next week. Looking forward to it. want to remind everybody this is brought to you by our good friends from Ameren, Illinois, Munganast Alton Toyota, and, of course, the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly. This is a great opportunity. If you're looking to buy, you can get pre-qualified and get all the house you can stand. Thanks to Ryan Kelly and the home loan expert at uh, ryankelly.com. Check them out. And thank you to Mike Claiborne. Once again, I'm Alex Ferrario. This has been the Ferrario Faceoff. We'll talk to you next week for more hockey and blue stock right here at Claibs Online.